0: what hello and welcome to the fancy fantasy foot what's it I don't even remember what it's called the fancy fantasy football cast I would just like to apologize to the nine fans out there um it it i it's been way too long since we recorded an episode. I apologize that life and um sleep and baby illness got in the way uh but uh we are back with a vengeance as you should be aware i hope um We're recording this on December 1st, Thursday, uh, the start of week 13, the last regular season game of the year, Uh, and so we have to do a big uh, end of the regular season push and playoff preview, and uh, joining me for that endeavor, as you might expect, I have my friend, my opponent, my roommate, my wife, the mother of my child... Jennifer Murphy. Jennifer, how are you? Tell me a story about what's going on, because I don't just want you to say hi. Well, that's a lot of pressure. A story. I'm really tired Is that. Good story. Good story. Okay. Thanks. I'm very excited. Yes, you are. Anyway, uh, so uh, let's just... Let's just kick right into it and uh, let's look at what's going on in the league right before uh, the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. We've got some exciting uh, ranking situation going on. Uh, there's a lot up in the air going into the final week of of the regular season.
1: Yeah, we thought it might be fun to just go person by person and talk about where they're at, uh, what's on the line for both the playoffs and also their legacy, the league records, stuff like that. So we're mixing up the format a bit this week. We're just going to go... Team by team.
0: All right, let's do it. So let's start somewhere. And uh, that somewhere is uh, the bottom three teams in the league, unfortunately, have been eliminated from the playoffs. They can't make it no matter what happens in the last week, which, you know, it's not at all uh, surprising or weird that the very last week of the season, at least, some teams are eliminated. So don't feel bad. Uh, but let's start there. So we have three teams at the bottom that uh, cannot make the playoffs. Who we got first?
1: Uh, well, the caboose, which obviously in spirit is Abby, uh, in fact is Gary.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, I think we need to remove that uh, label from Abby. It's the Casey is the caboose. Casey the caboose. Casey caboose from Wisconsin Johnson Moose. I don't know something.
1: None of that makes any sense.
0: Well, caboose and moose rhyme, and Johnson and Wisconsin rhymes. Do you get it? Uh huh. So anyway, uh, what what interesting factoids do we have about Casey Johnson? Who, uh currently is in last in the standings the the standings are a tie at the bottom uh win-loss record but so then the tiebreaker is point scored so casey is losing the tiebreaker uh and and so what do we have about mr johnson's team
1: uh well let's talk about his playoff potential so what's what's on the line for him this week if he wins or loses like what what does it matter to casey he's already out of the playoffs
0: um, well, yeah, so mostly it's just a, a matter of pride, a matter of standings going into the Sacco playoffs. The four teams that do not make the playoffs, as everyone is aware, uh, compete in the Sacco reverse playoffs, and it is a mark of eternal shame to win the Sacco. So uh, mostly that's what Casey has going for him. Uh, he doesn't want to be the last seed and therefore have the easiest path, so to speak. Uh, to getting into the Sacco championship. Um, that's the main thing. So... I wasn't listening. Great. Well, okay. How about this? Casey is playing Meg Murphy. Uh, Megan is one of the middle teams who is fighting for her playoff life. So Casey wants to improve his playoff standings, and he also wants, if he wins, could potentially play spoiler for Meg Murphy. How's that? That's much better. Okay,
1: well, let's look at if there's anything else online for Casey. Um I will admit that I actually might take me a second because I didn't plan on doing the segment this way, but I just had an idea. So um I'm looking at our league records, and I'm seeing which ones involve Casey and the first one I'm coming to is that Casey has interestingly he has the league record for most points scored against him uh thirteen seventy four in two thousand and thirteen And the least points scored against him, 962 the next year. Um, 962, that ship has sailed. I believe somebody has already scored. I I don't think anyone can score. I I think everyone is over that in terms of points against.
0: Yes, the lowest would be Gary with 1044.8 this season.
1: Right. So Casey's record is safe. There, um, But his most points scored against record is in jeopardy. I don't know if he particularly wants to be holding either of these records, but uh, it looks like Nick has the most points scored against right now, and I'm right behind him uh, by about
0: 20 points. So That would be points four you're talking about. Actually, points against, uh, we've oh. got me with 1240 and Abby with 1283. So Abby's okay. first.
1: 1283. So... Um, depending on how many points are scored by actually you, right,
0: Pat? Yeah, Abby and I are playing against each other, and we're the two people who have had the most points scored against us this whole season.
1: Yeah, so um, carry the one. Uh, Yeah, so if you score more than 91 points against Abby, Abby will have the record, the new record for most points scored against someone in a season.
0: Congratulations in advance, Abigail. Right,
1: or if uh, if the reverse is true, if Abby goes nuts on you, um, I don't have the actual numbers, but you could you could potentially have that record as well. So
0: Abby, of course, has never scored a ton of points against anyone. That's never happened. Yep, that was a funny, funny joke because in fact Abby went nuts against Jen. I oh, know.
1: Oh, you want to know a fun fact about that? Sure. I, was, tell- I didn't have, think I was going to have a way to work this in. I ver- was very near the record of what Pat d- has deemed the lamest loss. Uh, I was only five points off from tying, and six points from exceeding the uh, lamest loss, which was set by Meg Collins, who lost to—I'm sorry, Meg Murphy, who lost to Meg Collins in 2015. My sister scored 120 points but lost to 136 points. I this week scored 115 points and still lost. So thank you, Abby. You have nowhere to go, nowhere to go in terms of getting into the playoffs, but you still just kicked my team in the face or the couch or whatever Nick's meme was about.
0: Yeah, those those two different things. Yes. Um <laughs> but anyway, uh I mean obviously we would never we want people to always play their hardest even if they're eliminated from the playoffs. So I mean
1: I mean not against me. I would prefer that. Yes, to not.
0: everyone including including no. this week I want to beat Abby very badly because no. I'm right yeah. on that bubble.
1: Well, it matters for you.
0: Yeah, but and it matters for you too is Yeah, what it matters for me, it didn't matter so for her. So I'm saying she should still try to beat me.
1: She should have just laid her little caboose on its side and just let me Go past.
0: Also, Abby, with her win, uh now tied at three and nine with both Tim and Casey, jumped up two spots in the overall standings because she is now tied in with in record with those. I guess
1: not finishing last is a thing.
0: Exactly. So anyway, don't listen to Jen. I keep trying. I think
1: I hate her forever. She's my new fantasy football nemesis.
0: Keep fighting. You can do it. And anyway, I hope Pat beats you, Abby. Wow. Well, I hope I beat you also. I
1: hope he beats you so that he gets in the playoffs. I really actually don't care that much about my loss, but, you know.
0: I hope I beat you, and I also hope that I let you have a new record. Anyway, so that was not really about Casey.
1: Yeah, um, (laughs) actually, sorry about that, man. Uh, I actually don't have anything else for Casey in terms of his legacy, specifically being impacted by this last game. Um, It's not making a huge difference for his overall... Uh, standings. I let's let's see. I believe if he were to win this game, he would be 21 and 30 and 1. So I don't really know that he particularly cares about that. Who is he playing? Casey's playing Meg Murphy, your sister. Um he's beaten her 3 out of the 5 times they they've faced off. Yeah, there's just not a whole lot that's statistically significant about this game for Casey.
0: Fair enough. Um Alright, so let's move on up and next we have Tim in the standings. Uh so yeah, Tim is currently ninth in the standings, also three and nine, has uh, more points scored than Casey and fewer points scored than Abby. And uh what what do we got statistically on the Timinator? Um
1: again, nothing. Actually, Tim does not appear oh wait, that's not true. He had the least optimized game in two thousand thirteen, but I don't think you've been keeping track of that since then. So there I've are struggled a little. So I'll there are it. no um, current records that involve Tim. I actually think me and Tim are two of the only people that... I don't know. I have one. Anyway, no. No current records involved. Tim. um, I don't believe that anything is super on the line for him this week in terms of statistical significance. So he can just uh, kick back, relax, and just play his little heart out and just go for the W for the W's sake.
0: Interestingly, uh, you know who Tim's playing. Oh,
1: wait. No. No W's. (laughs)
0: L's,
1: L's, 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 L's. I completely forgot...
0: So it was playing Jen. Don't,
1: who, no, don't do it.
0: Uh, and again, even people who are eliminated from the playoffs should still play hard, even when they're playing against Jen, uh, who's being the worst sport. I, how, am I, how am I being the worst sport? Because you're like, no one should try when they can't get in the playoffs. What's the point? I mean, just kill yourself no, and, I and roll over and let me win. I'm Jen.
1: Obviously, I think people should try. It was just a little bit frustrating to know that I would have beaten Abby like every other week.
0: You sound bitter. Anyway. I do sound
1: really bitter. Really I, I really, I honestly, guys, it was one of my toughest losses.
0: Because <laughs> you just uh, put it in the W column before exactly. The even exactly
1: because I like barely paid attention to my lineup. I was like, oh, I've got this. And then I was like, I'm an asshole.
0: Yep, exactly. You are. All right. So Tim, sorry that you're not much in line except for ruining Jen's uh, potential seeding in the playoffs. So, you know, try for that.
1: Maybe Abby was just acting as an agent for Gary And she was trying to, because Nick has more points than Gary, such that if I did not lose that game, um, Nick and I, assuming we all win this week, Nick and I would have gotten the buys. But now it's a genuine contest. So maybe she was just trying to help her man out.
0: Obviously. All right. Now, now that you speak of it, uh, because the top is a little less interesting than the middle, let's skip straight to the top of the standings and talk about what those teams have on the line.
1: All right, well, let's stop with the tippy to- start with the tippy top. The uh, tippy toppest of the toppest of the Nick tippest. Spear, does that make him the engine?
0: He is the steam engine that drives our league forward. Onward, well, upward, on a track, going to the station. Keep talking about transportation metaphors. Sure, yeah. Choo-choo. He has a conductor hat and spectacles well, and overalls <laughs> and a monocle all right, and all right. a whistle. So,
1: um
0: captain nick
1: (laughs) gary nick and i all have the same record right now so if any one of us loses and the other two win then those two people will automatically get the buy
0: can you explain that to me i don't understand
1: i think you understand
0: i i do so i'm not going
1: to repeat that for each of us um so obviously he he wants he needs to win if he doesn't win he he very likely or potentially forfeits his buy um nick actually has the best chance of keeping his buy if he loses because if if Gary or I lose also. He has the point advantage. Um, So the bye is really important going into the week. Also, I think this is important. Whoever ends up number one ends up on the opposite side of the bracket from numbers two and three, which I think in any season is good. But in this season in particular, one, two, and three have um, kind of a points cushion on the rest of the league. They've done not just better but like a a decent amount better so i personally would not like to face gary and nick in the playoffs until i have to i mean
0: i'm jen and i'm one of the top three and we're so much better than the rest of the league i can't believe i'm in the same league as all you losers like my husband patrick polk i just want to talk about the top three and everyone else sucks and i'm jen
1: I feel like this podcast is giving me a bad rap and now I'm going to lose in the first round of the playoffs and everyone's going to be really excited about it because they all think I'm a jerk. I'm Jen and I get what I deserve. That's not funny. You're supposed to be supportive. I'm supportive. Tell me
0: I'm good at fantasy football. You're so Jen, you are so good at fantasy football. My God, Jen, I look at you and you're like my golden football goddess.
1: That doesn't even sound sincere.
0: I want to kiss your little feeties and worship the ground you football walk on and i see that statue that awesome awesome trophy on our bookcase every morning and i'm like jen is so good at this i don't i don't think anyone's gonna
1: want to listen to this podcast i think we should probably burn it nope so anyway uh, Uh, okay so what i'm saying is yes he needs i'm the best number one thing he needs to win obviously Number two thing I think is the most exciting thing is that if he gets more than 104, then he sets the new league record for most points scored in a season. And 104 is super attainable for Nick. Woo! Yeah, so that's really a big deal. Also notably, and this does apply to me and Gary as well, so you can continue making fun of me if you want. um, If he wins this game, then he ties on Elisa's current record for best Season record. So Annalisa went 10 and 3 in 2013, I think. Um, and right now, Nick, Gary, and I are all 9 and 3. So we could potentially have a four way tie for best season record, which is, you know, kind of crazy to have like nearly half
0: of the league. Can you explain? I'm really confused. Can you explain that again? I mean,
1: if you act like this every time I explain for- something.
0: Yeah, it's really fun for me, not for you. Anyway. Mm -hmm. so yes uh the top three are having very good seasons two of them are within reach of most points scored all three of them are in reach of best record ever and how are you doing on 100 point games because i know you care about that stat uh
1: well actually nick is not in the running for that particular honor this season uh gary has um Well, we'll get to that when we talk about Gary. But Gary has 10 100-point games, so he already has the record. Holy smokers, 10 out of 12! I have 9, and Nick has 8. So even if uh, Gary doesn't get a 100-point game and Nick does, Nick isn't going to get on the scoreboard with that one. But obviously still a very good season. And Nick does have the most 100-point games overall. And actually he has the most 100-point games by enough of a margin that even if he – even if I think I'm second, if I – even if I get one and he doesn't, he still he still has the most hundred point games. We wouldn't even we wouldn't even be tied. So. Way to go!
0: And uh, just because we're doing that, I've I've injected this into each discussion. Uh, he is currently playing Annalisa this week. Annalisa, who is notably in the thick of things in the middle. Uh, so, from my biased perspective, it would really help me out if he beat Annalisa. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, so he has a meaningful match both for him and for Annalisa. So that's a big one to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah, I guess, like, what other rooting interests could he have? I suppose depending on whether he would – well, he would obviously want to be first, so that doesn't really matter. Um, oh, one more uh, little weird record is that uh, previously the record for the highest low score in a season. So for your personal season low – the one that's been the highest throughout team history. So I feel like that's a weird one to say, but it's actually kind of a cool one because it means like you never got an embarrassing score, right? Uh, the previous record was 74.6 points and Nick's current low score for this season is 82.7 points. Um, I have 80.7, and Meg Collins has 76.8. So if all of us manage to not go below 74 points this week, then all three of us will have actually beaten the previous record. However, since Nick's score of 82.7 is the highest, uh, unless he sets a personal low this week, he will actually be taking over that record as well. So Nick will be, I think, has a really good shot of setting two new league
0: records. And tying a third.
1: And tying a third.
0: That's a real good... Hey, Nick. I I mentioned this a lot at the beginning of the season. I feel like this is
1: Nick's season. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. He's been really, really good and just hasn't been getting the recognition. And so I'm glad to see it happen, although it does sort of feel like he's going to get to the playoffs and, like, lose in a heartbreaker to, like, the sixth-ranked team or something.
0: Hey, I hope to play that role of spoiler.
1: (laughs) That would be kind of a good matchup because you've both, in your own ways, had, like, underappreciated, fancy uh, season history records.
0: I don't think I'm that underappreciated. I'm not going to lie. Really? really? I mean, I've been kind of middle for most of the time.
1: No. Well, I was trying to help you L- low out.
0: Low and middle. Yeah. Some, reasons, some seasons I was really bad, and some seasons I was kind of okay, And uh, but I only made the playoff once out of four Or times. I guess
1: the other heartbreaker for Nick would be to, like, somehow screw up the bye this week and then lose in the first round so that he continues to be underappreciated, even though he was a very good team.
0: Yeah, and he, was, uh, he finished 6-5-4, right? so yeah so he's ready he's he's ready to get on the podium this year
1: yeah i mean three is the obvious one so nick if you would like to maintain that consistency i would appreciate it (sighs) Uh, nick also made the playoffs again which is important because he is one of two teams to have made the playoffs every year congratulations nick oh and who's the other person i was not going to mention it you're the worst who is it i don't remember i don't know
0: is it jen yes Oh, I'm Jen, and I'm so stop good it. at fantasy football. I just can't stop winning. It's hard being me.
1: I've only won one time.
0: But I just keep winning. I'm number one in the power rankings, and I'm not going down. I'm probably going down. Anyway, uh, so that next in the rankings, who do we have? Who's second? in the, oh.
1: Me. We've talked about it enough. Oh, my goodness. It's Jen. Let's talk about how good Jen is. Let's not. Jen, what do you got on
0: the line this
1: week? All right. So my rooting interest is for seeding. Um, I would like to get a bye. So the most important thing is for me to win, obviously. And if I win to maintain my points lead over Gary... Um, if Gary also wins. Obviously, Nick or Gary losing is just fine with me too, because then I automatically get a buy if I win or if we all lose, which seems unlikely. I, so basically, I need to score a lot of points and win, just like everybody else. But uh, specifically, I'm going up against Gary and Nick for the coveted buy spot. Uh, the best case scenario for me would be if Gary and Nick lose or if. Nick loses and I maintain my points lead over Gary, and so I somehow get the number one spot and then don't have to play either of them unless we both make it to a championship game.
0: Cool. Well,
1: good luck to you. Thanks. And then, um, as previously discussed, obviously uh, I don't want to set a low score because that's a potential record, and I would like to I would like to be on the leaderboard right alongside Annalisa with that ten and three. So I, I I'd like to win this week, uh, Tim. If you could just. Uh, Not go nuts like one Abby saw.
0: Also, just to continue to really provide those accolades, you also are within striking distance of uh, highest score uh, points scored for an entire season.
1: Well, I think I'm within striking distance of. Yeah, I mean, sure, but it's it's more. I mean, it's like like, it's got to be like 120 something points. Yeah, I think that's, like 124. That's like I that. mean that's a that's a pretty high game. It's I mean I have I have hit that number, but um I don't think that like Nick hitting 104 seems like that's probably his That's I'm, below his that's average. That's below his average, right? Exactly.
0: Yes. But anyway, so, it's possible.
1: All right. Well, sure, I'll take it.
0: Good luck to you. And then we've got the Gare Bear, Gerber, the other top team.
1: Uh yeah, so Gary and I have similar Spots on this one, of course. Uh, Gary has solo possession of most 100 point games. If I get a 100 point game and he does not, then I get up there with him. I don't think he particularly, I mean, you know, I don't, if he wants solo possession, then he wants me to not get a 100 point game in addition to him getting a 100 point game. But, uh, if he gets a 100 point game, then he'll have 11 100 point games, which is going to be a really hard record to topple.
0: Yeah, man. 10 out of 12 is already crazy. 10 out of 13 is crazy. 11 out of 13 is crazy. All of those numbers are very crazy. Way to go, Gary.
1: Yeah, and um, like his wife, Gary's record... Actually, I may not have mentioned this for Abby. You did not! Um, Abby and Gary both have overall fancy history records of 25 and 26. So if they win this week, then they end this season with a tied-up record, a, a blank slate going into our next season, as opposed to a not-winning slate. Yeah. So that's that's important for both of them, I am sure. Also, interestingly, uh, Abby had the most points scored against her this season, and Gary had the least points scored against him this season, so they're kind of bookends in that respect.
0: I'm right there with with Abby, though, on points against, let me tell you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, poor Pat and Abby.
0: All right, so now the interesting thing. Oh, you have more?
1: Oh, I— Are we moving on from Gary or something? I was going to, but uh, if you have more, go No, no, no. I think, I again, the, the same discussion as with me and Nick, where Gary uh, is technically the one that right now is not getting a buy. So he needs to either have Nick or I lose and he wins, or he needs to make up some points with the big week. But uh, I think he's only about 20 points behind, so that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Anything could happen with that buy, guys. Anything could happen. So that's that's his real rooting interest.
0: All right, and now we go to the middle of the pack where things are kind of crazy. We've got Meg Murphy. We've got Annalisa Johnson. We've got Pat Polk. We've got Meg Collins. Those are teams four through seven. Um, Of those people, so Meg is seven and five. She actually has a playoff spot tied up. She is going to go to the playoffs. Uh, Then there's Annalisa and me and Meg Collins. The three of us uh, are are vying for two playoff spots. Um, Annalise and I are both six and six and Meg Collins is one game behind at five and seven. Uh, so things are pretty crazy there.
1: Well, then let's talk about Megan Murphy first since she has the spot. Yeah. She's not part of the
0: drama of going whether or not she goes to the playoffs. She is in the playoffs.
1: All right. So is there anything on the line for her this week?
0: Um, well always, you know, the same thing with, the higher you are seated, the better you are, better off you are with the with the initial round of the playoffs. Uh, so if she stays where she's at, she'll be the fourth ranked. Um, so she will have the second best matchup out of the uh, first round. So she would play whoever is in sixth place. Um, I'm sorry, in fifth place, four versus five and three versus six. So- but with you
1: guys all being swimming around the middle like that, I don't know that there's a clear...
0: <laughs> swimming.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes there's a drop-off, so you, there's, like, a clear person that you'd want to get. Like, if, like, some years where someone who perhaps has not been as good in the season has snuck into the playoffs because of witchcraft, you might really strongly prefer to face them in the first round.
0: Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, it's true. Um, so, whatever. You know, we'll see. We'll the see only again. rooting
1: interest that I can see statistics-wise is that Megan currently holds the record for most season points. So, she's probably rooting for Nick to not get 104 points because she'd like to hold on to that record from last season when she was really good. And in fact, um, she kind of teetered off there at the end, uh, but she was on pace for a while for way more points than this. Even
0: indeed. It was a crazy season. So, so Meg way to go made it in the playoffs. Uh, congratulations and good luck until I beat you too.
1: So let's talk about the other three. Um, I believe I gave you a prediction of my my ranking of who I thought was most likely to least likely to get in. Who did I say was least likely?
0: I believe you said Meg Collins was the least likely.
1: I thought I said on was the least likely.
0: Oh, yeah, because of the matchup. So here's who those three people are playing. Uh, I am playing against Abby, who previously had been the caboose, but she is now uh, bringing higher than she was. Uh, so, you know, uh, that is, that is the first matchup. And she could
1: be, this could be the beginning of a streak.
0: Yeah. Meg Collins, who is currently on the bubble and out of the playoffs, is playing against Gary. Not an easy matchup. Ouch. If she loses. But she still has a path if she loses. No, if she loses, she's out because she's one game behind the two of us.
1: No, because if she loses and Annalisa loses, she has more points.
0: Annalisa is one game ahead of her, so if they both lose, Annalisa will still be one game ahead of her. Oh, shoot. She must beat Gary in order to make the playoffs. Uh, and then Annalisa is playing Nick. So of the three people on the bubble... Oh, so
1: then maybe I actually think Meg is the least likely.
0: Yeah, Nick... So of the three people on the bubble, I am playing not one of the top three teams, and the other two are. So I... You're sitting pretty. Don't mind that I'm not playing Gary or Nick this week, or you. Because I also... If you remember, you're really good at fantasy football. Shut (laughs) up. So anyway, so yeah, so Meg is currently on the outside looking in, and if she loses, she is out. Um, However, interestingly, in points scored, this is where I have to go against myself a little bit. Uh, I have the lowest points of those three people. I uh, am currently in sixth place, but I have uh, 1119 points scored. Uh, But Annalisa has 1144, and she's in fifth place. And Meg Collins has 11:51, but she's in seventh place.
1: Those are all really close, though. I feel like points scored. Although I, I understand your desire to see general matching between points scored and rankings. I feel like when we're talking about a handful of points, I just I'm and I'm not persuaded that that's the most important thing. For example, look at Abby. Like the fact that she scored 160 points one week and like 80 points the week before. That's not – you don't want your team to be doing that. You want more consistency. Actually, Meg Collins is like a perfect example of that. She – I was looking at these numbers. Um,
0: what? You were looking at the numbers? I know. I was looking
1: at the numbers because I, I was thought it was interesting that she was one of the people that was really, really – that she was one of the people that was going to potentially beat last year's record or the season – I'm sorry, the whole league's record for the lowest, the highest personal low of the season – because then her high her high score is actually the lowest one of all of us this season as well she's her, her high score her personal high score this season is 106 points, which is actually really low for a personal high but that means that all of her games have been within a range of 30 points and then if you throw out the one game that was kind of an anomaly, 11 out of her 12 matches have been within 22 points. so she's been, very very consistent uh she has the fourth highest points overall so i feel like the fact that her score is a little bit lower is maybe not truly reflecting what a consistent and therefore good team she is uh she's also been on a bit of a, an l streak she's got four l's in a row she was doing a lot better um earlier in the season yeah so
0: she's five and seven but she was also five and three uh four weeks ago so that's right as right. a drag
1: so anyway, I, I don't feel like the fact that you guys are like a grand total of like 40 points from top to bottom away from each other is like, oh man, Pat should definitely not make it.
0: Yeah, I know. But I mean, also, besides me taking that, caring a lot more about that than you do, it is relevant for tiebreaker purposes, obviously, and that, that could definitely come into play.
1: Sure, sure, sure. So Meg Collins, well, we're talking about all of you still, or are we, no, yeah.
0: Yeah. So if she wins and Annalisa and I lose, then we all have the same record and- It's all about the tiebreaker.
1: But that means she has to beat Gary. Yes. So I am personally rooting for Meg Collins to win (laughs) both because I think her team deserves it because I'd like to see her clinch that playoff spot and because beating Gary means guaranteeing me a bye.
0: So well, Annalisa beating Nick also helps you out.
1: Yes. But I think Meg, as I said, might be, be of the three of you the most deserving. So, I mean, Annalisa can beat Nick too. That's fine. Sure. Both of you. How, go about, ahead. how about
0: all three of us win? How's that? All right. Sounds good. Who's. Yo,
1: know, you're playing Abby. Yeah, you know what? I want all three of you to win. I'm for it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> for the middle.
0: Excellent. Uh, so, who, do you have any interesting stats about what we're going for, Annalisa, myself, or Meg Collins?
1: um you along with gary and abby have a twenty six twenty five all-time record so you all, 25 and 26 tw- 25 and 26 so you also would like to end on a tie rather than a, a losing note
0: always yes indeed
1: um and of course Annalisa is defending her record well not really defending defending from ties her her record for best season record so uh she probably would like me, Gary, and Nick to lose so that she can have it solo or so that she can have less of us um, tied with her. And of course, if she wins, then she's beating Nick. So that's one less person to be up on the podium with her. Uh, I don't think she particularly cares about this one, but she still has the record for worst game uh, with 34 points. It's not a lot of points. So, you know, she's also rooting for somebody to get less than 34 points. Seems unlikely. I don't know how it happened that time, Pat, (laughs) (laughs) frankly. I think that was also one of the seasons where she was incredibly dominant.
0: Yeah, it just, uh, everything went wrong. All right, Uh, so is that everyone? Are we, uh, anything else? Uh, Well, we got my sister. All right, what she got?
1: Oh, no, we already, Uh, yeah, Meg Collins. Oh, Meg Collins, I already talked a lot about, but she also has the current record for the best game. So just like Annalisa is rooting for somebody to get worse than 34, Meg Collins would like no one to go above 177.5. That's
0: a very high score for our rules. A very high score. Yeah, we don't have PPR. We don't have two quarterbacks. That's 177 is kind of nuts. It
1: is. In fact, what's what's our highest for this season?
0: Uh, probably either Abby against you or Annalisa against me.
1: I think it was Annalisa against you. Yeah. Annalisa got 161. It sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't love it. No. Yeah. Abby got 155. Abby, or Nick got 155. Abby got 138.
0: All right. So. Good job. All three of you, I didn't match that, obviously, or else I would have just been mentioned in that list of games. My high is like 108 or something.
1: 108, and Tim's is 107, and and Meg Collins is 106.
0: So, anyway, uh, that's a little preview of week 13 and the playoff implications thereof. (laughs) Pat, it was also week three. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I'm Jen... I'm so good at fantasy football, and I like laughing at people who have a rough season because of lots of reasons, such as injuries to many, many um, of their top draft. Just a, picks. Just like a
1: throwout mention, because no one, we don't really talk about this because it was the playoffs. But Abby did score 174 points in week one of the playoffs in 2014, so that's that's up there with Meg Collins's score. It just wasn't in the regular season. But that is the highest anyone's ever done in the playoffs and the second highest score that anyone's ever gotten overall.
0: Let me tell you, uh, peaking in the playoffs is a great strategy, and that's what I plan on doing this year.
1: How did it work out for her in um, 2014?
0: Um, she got fourth place, I believe.
1: Okay. So it was, oh, yeah, it was week one, right? Oh, that's a bummer. 174 points and then
0: knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah. Ouch. Anywho, so uh, that about wraps up. Our, our little dealy uh so i have a couple more treats for you listeners um first of all i'm going to uh pause this little guy and i'm going to play a part of the i swear to god hour and a half podcast that jen and i recorded two weeks ago um that i did not have an opportunity to edit and publish um because of life getting in the way so we had a quite a conversation that was very in-depth about fantasy football. It was
1: so structured, you guys, and it was so meaty and good and much better than this conversation has been.
0: <laughs> but uh I will give you guys a lengthy excerpt because Jen did a lot of research about the waiver wire throughout the season and it was very interesting. So I will play that and then I will do a little wrap up now uh again December 1st. So uh farewell for now. Enjoy this bit on the waiver wire and we will see you after that. Bye. Are you ready for our deep dive of the evening? Sure. So, can I call this the Gen Stat Corner? Sure. Okay. Welcome to Gen Stat Corner.
1: All right. So, here's what I want to talk about the waiver wire. I feel like we've discussed a lot of things in this podcast. But waiver wire usage has not really been one of them. And I'm intrigued to hear what you think about how the new system has gone, if people are using it effectively, our league's general waiver wire usage. So I started crunching some numbers, looking at some stuff, and what I saw kind of surprised me, Pat.
0: What would you see, Jen?
1: uh, We have spent a collective $240 out of our $1,000 budget, which is about $24 a team. Does that seem low? Very. I mean, I this is my first time playing with a budget, um, but I know you're in other leagues, and those other leagues have a budget, and, have, and that's been the case for a long time. So at this point in the season, what what kind of numbers are you usually looking at?
0: I would say in my own experience, like right now I personally have about $30 left. Like, Have I spent the most in the league? No, and I'm really excited to tell you why, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, I would say oftentimes when... So right now is is really crunch time if you're on the bubble for making the playoffs. Uh, if you're close or you are trying to... If you are currently in the playoffs but you really need to finish strong to make sure you stay there. Uh, so this is when people are desperate. And I would say right around week 9, week 10 is when people really start spending a lot of money. And so going into week 10 uh, or 11, I would say people have already spent more than half of their money usually and probably are oftentimes in the like 20 30 40 dollars left uh in their budget and off and if you are really aggressive i would say you do not have any money by week 12 week 13
1: i was going to ask it seems to me that a lot of times the really valuable waiver wire pickups happen in the first few weeks of the season so is there something to be said for in you know since we're not in like a snake waiver wire thing where it's just whoever has the right number gets it like is there something to be said for like blowing your budget on somebody that is a good pickup early in the season that could be like a huge difference for you
0: I think it's interesting because I think there's a psychological aspect to that because if you were like oftentimes when it's just a, a regular waiver wire yeah the person you'll pick up at the beginning of the season will will end up being your most important pickup because they are someone who got in, you know, they they went up in the depth chart, or for some reason they're an ascendant, like they're a rookie that's doing way better than expected. Um, so that would be your most important and, and who your most sought-after uh, target is. But uh, psychologically, if you have a budget, you don't want to spend your whole budget right at the beginning because you don't know who else is going to be available. Uh, so I would say that uh, game theory-wise, you probably should spend more of your money at the beginning of the season, um, but you are psychologically not going to want to do that because you are trying to save up for what, if there is that big uh, person available at the end of the season. Yeah.
1: I think I get why people do it, but I'm just wondering if strategy wise, it makes more sense. And I guess I, that my impression is that it is, but of course that's only if that person pans out. And I mean, imagine if you blow your whole budget and then that person isn't very good, you're going to be really disappointed.
0: Fortunately, fortunately, um, two things about our league first of all you can bid zero dollars the minimum bid is zero so you can still even get someone on the uh auction if you don't have any money left. is that not the normal rule it's either one dollar or zero dollars and it depends on league to league
1: yeah but our most competitive leagues
0: zero or one i uh i'd say it's 50 50 from my experience interesting uh but then also of course there's the whole free agent window after the auction is over and you can just pick someone up off the waiver wire if they're completely free after the auction is over. So uh, there's two ways to get people if you're out of money. Um, But it's obviously a crapshoot if they're available. Right.
1: Well, I don't mind telling you, it turns out our league has done most of their pickups in the free agent period. Cool. Uh, Actually, there have only been, I'll, I'll let you guess. How many players do you think there have been multiple bids on? And I mean, just like a stab in the dark where more than one person in our league have bid on the same person.
0: Do you have that information? Yeah. It tells you every time multiple people bid?
1: I found out a lot about the information that's available on the ESPN website today, Pat, and it's a lot more than I thought. And yes, I'll show you how to do it later.
0: Okay. Um. Well, then I'll say it'll be very low as obviously what you're getting at here. So I'm going to say i have like i have no idea the order of magnitude of players who are picked up total you know like this is like one of those things where it's like an engineering question where you if you're within like 10 then you're um, here, in good Here, i can j- give
1: you a really rough estimate okay. 20 35 46 50 60 70 80 90 100 uh it looks like we've picked up about a 130 to 150 players
0: Okay, uh, so I will say ten players have had multiple bids on, bids on them.
1: Nine. That you're really that was impressively close. Thank you. But nine, that's it.
0: Yeah, that's does that low. seem crazy? That's very crazy.
1: All right, so well let's let's look at the big money first, and by big money I mean anyone that went for a bid of over five dollars, or anyone where there was more than one bidder. <laughs> so before week one started. Um, after the draft, Annalisa paid $15 for Terrence West. Abby put in a bid on the same Terrence West for $2. That was it. What do you think of that one? Did, did Terrence West pan out? Was that a good amount for him? What about Abby's $2 bid? What about the fact that nobody else bid on him? Lead us through this
0: jungle. I will not be able to speak. With granularity on every single player who's been or draft
1: Well, if you have no thoughts, just say no thoughts and we'll move on.
0: I don't have many thoughts. I, in my mind, Terrence West is not a make-or-break player, so I feel like he's like a uh, $5 to $7 pickup.
1: And he's been in her starting lineup, I think, most weeks. So that's been good, right?
0: It's certainly possible, also, that he's done way better than I would have guessed without looking at his stats.
1: Well, that's why you have your phone, right, man?
0: It's surprisingly annoying to uh, search all this stuff on your phone, especially because... ESPN keeps changing their both their app and how their website looks on your phone. Uh, so thanks a lot, ESPN, for making things harder constantly. Anyway, uh, let's look at Terrence West on my phone. You
1: said you thought he was in the what range?
0: I would have said like 5 to
1: $7. Man, it's so interesting to me that you have like an internal like
0: barometer for how much people should pay for people. He is uh, the twenty-seventh ranked running back. He has scored eight point five points per week. He has owned an eighty-nine point one percent of leagues. Uh, he has had precisely two weeks above ten points. One of them was seventeen, and one of them was twenty-four. But otherwise, he's like three points, five points, seven points, eight points, one point. So, do you think she overpaid? I would say slightly yes, but obviously, when everyone has a ton of budget left, it doesn't really matter if right. you overpay.
1: So that seems like. That went pretty well for her. It obviously filled the hole for her because she's been starting him. Yeah. All right. So, way to go. Um, all right. So, week one, which is to say the waiver wire after the games, week one, Abby paid $10 for what I have written down as Pryor. What's that gentleman's first name? Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor. Uh, and you paid $7 for Matt Ryan. No one bid, no one else bid on either of those people.
0: Let me tell you, those are both. Very good pickups <laughs> uh, Terrell Pryor has been a revelation at running at wide receiver. He was a quarterback for Ohio State in college and he was very good at it. Uh, then he was uh, he had a shaky start to the pros, but then he converted to wide receiver and he's been super awesome on a very crappy team, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he is currently the eleventh ranked wide receiver in the whole league, averaging nine point eight points per week. He is owned in 90.1% of the league, uh, and he has had one, two, three, four, five weeks above 10 points, including 23 points week three, 19 points week six, uh, 12 points week eight, and 10 points week nine. Uh, so that was obviously a very good pickup. Um, he was, which week did she pick him up? Week two?
1: Going into week two. So, does it make more sense for you for me to call that week two or week one if it's the waiver wire after week
0: one? Um, I would say after is better. So, say after week one or just say it specifies either say before or after. Okay. Um, But so actually, she was very prescient uh, because his first two weeks were 6.8 points and 3.2 points. And then she picked him up and then he scored 23.9 points the next week.
1: Way to go um and definitely did not uh overpay so like maybe based on the information she had <laughs>
0: based on the information she had i think she overpaid but obviously he's like a superstar well not superstar is an overstatement but he's a very exciting prospect and maybe he,
1: she was looking at something like maybe something changed in the depth chart or somebody got hurt yeah or, no
0: he yeah he 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 got a lot more snaps uh after that but yeah so that was good ah uh, and then we talk about my pickup let's talk <laughs> matt about matt ryan matt ryan um, is the number one player in all of fantasy football. He's averaging 22.3 points per week. He's the number one quarterback. He's owned in 96.3% of leagues. He's an undroppable player.
1: What's going on in the other four?
0: Yeah. Those,
1: those four don't want the number one player in football?
0: No, I guess not. Uh, so anyway, I'm very glad that I picked him up because I had... I went very late on uh, quarterback at the draft, and I was like, you know what? I should pick up this. So I picked him up after week two, he said? After week one. After week one. He scored 24.4 points week one, which is pretty good. But then he scored 27.8 points week two, uh, 20 points week three, 35 points week four. So he just kept going. Uh, So, yeah, I was very happy to pick him up, and I can't believe I got him that cheap. Yay!
1: So, so far, I'm not hearing about any players where it's like, crazy that they didn't get multiple bids because that happens sometimes where there's like a player that goes off and like,
0: obviously everybody's going to bid on them. I would say if anyone else was thin at quarterback, it would have not been, I would have expected other people to bid on Matt Ryan because that is often a very good offense and he's not an exciting quarterback to own, but he's consistently pretty good. And so if anybody needed a quarterback, They probably should have put in a few dollars just to try and pick them up.
1: I wonder if quarterback is one of those. I feel like quarterback is a position that like realistically we all should actually probably be streaming, but you just get like attached to your quarterbacks and you expect some fluctuation for that reason. And so even if your quarterbacks underperformed week one, I don't think people were looking to make a change.
0: Yeah. I actually have a theory about this now.
1: Well, that's exciting.
0: I'm going to give away a pro strat that I have no idea if it's a good idea or not um i i'm theorizing now that because i've always been of the opinion and so have you i know because we talk a lot um
1: you're gonna blow our cover to our listeners
0: yeah no uh that We're we're just roommates we're ships passing in the night that you uh both of us are big fans of not having a backup quarterback Um, we very often will just draft one quarterback because so many are available on the waiver wire. You can pick up a replacement very easily, uh, and it's not a big deal. So this year I've actually had two quarterbacks,
1: but it's just because Russell Wilson ended up being so shitty that I needed another quarterback anyway. And so I've just sort of been playing the matchups with the two that I have rather than having a clear number one and a backup. But this is the first year that I've had more than one quarterback regularly.
0: So what I think now, my new theory that I might test out next year, because it has obviously been the case that uh, quarterbacks have been pretty unpredictable. Like, It's crazy that Matt Ryan has been as good as he's been. It's crazy that uh, that Dak Prescott has been so good. Um, I think it might make sense to draft like two or three long shot quarterbacks and have one of them pay off and be super awesome and drop the other two, but just go in early with a long shot because the end of your bench depth in like running back or tight end is often like not very valuable anyway and so if you if you have like a lottery ticket for a quarterback uh this year there were several that were far exceeded their expect, expected value uh and it could really pay off.
1: Yeah, I mean and if they if none of them paid off there's probably some people on the waiver wire who are going to be about as good as your middle of the pack quarterbacks anyway. Exactly. I mean the only thing you're not going to get is you're generally speaking you're not going to be able to guarantee yourself a Matt Ryan or a Green Bay. Yeah, that's why you need Aaron like Rodgers, two or three.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, well you never get Aaron Rodgers is not part of this conversation.
1: I know. I'm saying like you can't expect to get up to that level. Anywho, so moving on to the waiver wire after week two, uh, you paid sixteen dollars for Jordan Howard. I'm positive I've never heard that name before. What position does he play?
0: He is running back for the Chicago bears. Well, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) Oh, whatever. Fuck Jay Cutler too. He apparently is a Trump supporter. Uh, Abby put in a big, a big, a bid for $6 on the same Jordan Howard.
0: That was it that week. Jordan Howard was a very good pickup for me as well. Um, he was thrust into, uh, the starting position. He had a lot of potential, And he's been doing very well overall. So he's currently the 19th ranked uh, running back, and he's averaged 10.5 points per week. He's owned in 91.5% of leagues. He has scored more than 10 points, one, two, three, four times, including a 22 and a 26. Um, He is hot or cold. Uh, So I picked him up after week three, right? Two. After week two. Okay. Uh, So that... That was his crappiest time of the year, and he's been pretty solid since then, except for one bad week uh so yeah that was definitely uh i I think that was a good pickup and he because of the scarcity of running backs uh I would say that he probably was that was a pretty good bid for him like he that was not i didn't get him cheaply, but I think that was a fair bid
1: all right, same week uh that Thursday, I paid a dollar for the Seahawks, and Annalisa put in a bid for zero dollars. We can just make this a larger discussion. What do you think about paying money for a defense?
0: I I think a dollar is fine.
1: I put in a dollar. My thought was I wanted their matchup. Most people are probably going to bid zero. I don't care about it that much. I had a different defense in as a backup. I'm pretty pleased with it because I've continued to keep them and play them when they have good matchups. And they've been a good defense.
0: Yeah, I would say like absolute limit would be like three dollars for well and
1: especially when none of us are using our budgets like i feel like i now regret all my zero dollar bids because i think there have been some that i've lost i'm no actually i know that there are not because i've seen what's happened but it just seems like it'd be really easy anyway i don't know i think it's interesting um all right moving on week three so right after week three nick paid nineteen dollars for cole beasley And you paid $11 for Zach Miller. Yep. Cole Beasley is a... no one else bid on those people.
0: Cole Beasley is a hot and cold uh, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, He is the 27th ranked wide receiver, averaging 8.7 points per week, owned in 59.9% of leagues. Um, And he has one, two, three weeks above 10 points. Uh, He is pretty good. He's like a borderlines like he's a wide receiver three type of guy uh like he's a good fill-in uh but he's not like an, a super exciting prospect or something so what do you think about the price paid what was it again
1: 19 dollars. actually like i think that's like top four or five for our league this year
0: that seems a little bit high uh but
1: i guess you know you could hope they have more potential or something yeah what about uh zach miller
0: 11 bucks well, let me tell you, Zach Miller is the tight end for the Bears. And at the time, he was one of the top tight ends in the league. And now he is the 11th tight end in the league, uh, averaging 6.7 points per week, which is, again, tight end very thin this year. There's like two good Oh, tight yeah, ends. no,
1: they fucking suck.
0: Uh, and he's owned in 69.2% of leagues. Uh, and he has had more than 10 points exactly once. Uh, but, oh, but yeah, so tight ends suck. I overpaid a little bit. Um, but he sometimes is good, but he all tight ends are bad. So whatever I overpaid.
1: All right. Um, I believe this was going in end of week five going into week six. Uh, but I'm a little bit suspicious of my numbering right now. So it could have been end of week four going into week five. Gary paid $8 for a Gio Bernard. And he also paid $6 for the Ravens thoughts.
0: $6 for the Ravens is silly. Uh, defense, Come on, man.
1: Has he kept the Ravens?
0: Does, I don't know without looking.
1: Would that make it less silly?
0: No, it's still too much money. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is, has been very good at times over the course of his career. He is currently the 26th ranked running back, averaging 8.6 points per week, he is owned in 88.7% uh, of leagues. These little numbers, you'll note, are oftentimes very similar. We're talking about a lot of people in the like 20 to 30 range. Uh, well, yeah, that's what's out there. Yep and uh
1: the ravens he still starts and they are the third highest scoring defense i'm gonna bet you he doesn't regret it
0: still too much money uh geo bernard has broken 10 points three times uh he's pretty good i would say that's uh how much did he bid it's probably a good bid that was he's a good player eight bucks yeah that was a good bid for sure
1: all right moving on to the next week abby got the jets for two buckaroos over nick's bid of zero buckaroos
0: I think $2 is too high, but I won't begrudge a $2 bid on a defense you want. Obviously, $0 wouldn't have done it for Nick. Uh, Abby would have won the tiebreaker, having started off the season uh, with a losing streak. Uh, Ooh! <laughs> uh, she still has the Jets on her team.
1: They are averaging 3.3 points a game.
0: That's not a lot of points, and there appears like they are the 24th-ranked defense uh, that's pretty bad, it's not great, Pat. no
1: all right um, Friday of that same week, again, I believe this to be week six going into week seven, so friday not not main waiver day. Casey paid fifty dollars for Justin Tucker, <laughs> please discuss. <laughs> I'm so excited that you didn't know that. When I saw it today, I almost died.
0: I did not realize that. Justin Tucker, for those who don't pay close attention, is the kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> $50 for a kicker is at least forty eight too many dollars. Um he is good. And also, let me tell you two things about Justin Tucker. He is the source of obsession in both our league, because you are obsessed with him. I am. It's true. And in my Charlie Yorty league, Uh, he is like a cult hero, uh, partially because there's a lot of Baltimore fans in that league, but also he's just a very well-liked guy. Uh, If you look online, if you search uh, Justin Tucker and you search animated GIFs or GIFs, whatever you want to call it... um, he has a lot of good dances that he does after he makes field goals. How
1: did I not know about this?
0: Yeah, he's a, he's super likable. $50 is insane. I feel like that was a typo. That's crazy. Like maybe he put in $5 and wanted to change it to $0 and forgot to push backspace. Have you met Casey? I've met Casey. There's no way. I think it's possible. That he's deliberately th- spent I th- $50. I think
1: Justin Tucker was on his team and he dropped him for a backup kicker. And then <laughs> paid all of the money to add him again.
0: Well, he is the third best kicker in the league, averaging 10.7 points <laughs> per week.
1: Are you making one of Casey now?
0: No, it's it's a very good. he's a very good kicker. He's very likable. He does nice little dances. $50 is crazy. Yeah,
1: actually, that doesn't
0: add up with when his bye week was. $50. <laughs>
1: Whew. Uh, that's the only money Casey has spent. Oh, well, that's good. He still has 50 bucks. Because he paid 50 bucks for Justin Ducker. I'm really
0: excited. So Casey obviously is the sort of person to go on eBay and put in what they call a nuclear bid when it's like uh, – you know, because eBay is called a Dutch auction, blind Dutch auction most of the time unless it's a buy now. And so you put in your what your max bid would be and then it's you versus robots spitting against each other. And so if one person puts in a nuclear bid – then they will automatically keep bidding up and up and up if someone puts in a lower bid. So let's say you put $1,000 for this like you know mug that you want, but someone's like $5 and like $6, and then they put in $8 and like $9. And it keeps happening over and over again until they give up. The problem is if two people put in nuclear bids, then someone's buying that mug for $1,000. Uh, and that's what I could just picture happening to Casey Johnson.
1: <laughs> he was like somebody else might want justin tucker (laughs) murphy probably wants justin tucker i've heard her talk about justin tucker i would go up to 50 bucks. you know i'm just gonna put in 50 bucks for justin tucker yep
0: that is uh, astounding
1: you should have casey on the podcast interview him about what
0: transpired i do that is i'm really pleased that that happened thank you for letting me know
1: i it's actually the practically the reason this segment happened yeah because i saw that and i was like we have to talk about this excellent
0: all right, um, moving on. And just to be sure, you, uh, no one else put a bid in, right? No, no one else put so in. So a bit of zero dollars would have had the same effect.
1: Correct. You could have had, <laughs> I mean, also, it happened on Friday. So if somebody had really wanted Justin Tucker, wouldn't they have picked him up on Wednesday?
0: No, uh, that specifically couldn't have happened because the only reason someone would be picked up after, on a bid after Wednesday early morning means that they were not a free agent that week. So you had to bid to pick him up. So that means he was dropped that week. Oh, so somebody
1: else dropped him that week. Or Casey
0: dropped him that week.
1: <laughs> we need to... I don't think Casey did. I don't know. We're going to have to figure out what happened with Justin Tucker. There's, We'll we'll follow up. Uh, there, there, you can
0: do that on the website.
1: All right. Uh, moving right along. Uh, the next week, Pat paid $27 for Rashad Jennings. I put in a bid of $5 for Rashad Jennings and did not win... Casey put in a bid of zero dollars for Rashad Jennings and also didn't win. So Rashad Jennings, by the way, our most contested player, five dollars apparently wasn't going to cut it. I think my thought process: he's a running back, right? He sure is. I was like, I don't really need him, but he. I would like. I would like to have him. So if people don't put any money down, I'd like to scoop him up. Obviously, I did not know that you were planning to bid for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I put in a lot. How much was it? Twenty-seven dollars. Uh yeah that that was a little bit of an overpay I was super desperate that was I, I absolutely needed a a wide I mean a running back and he was the only one available um so it was for sure an overpay by a little bit but he was um I, I'm glad I did it I'm glad I did it okay we're back so I have been able to uh, if you go to the league website and you click on any individual player you can click on the transactions tab and see every time that they've been added or dropped. So here's what happened with our friend Justin Tucker, the $50 kicker. He was drafted in the 15th round by Meg Collins. Then he was dropped on October 26th by Meg Collins. And then two days later, the same week, he was picked up off waivers for $50 by Casey Johnson. So as I said, the only time you are bidding on someone uh, after the Wednesday period is if they are not a free agent that week, and that's because they were dropped that week so they become a really
1: really want to know what Casey was
0: thinking. Yeah. So anyway, that is hilarious and way to go Justin Tucker, you you sexy desirable kicker.
1: All right, um we're we're down to our last contested bid so far. I paid $26 for Doug Martin. You bid $16 for Doug Martin.
0: I was so close. Uh yeah, Doug Martin is a very good get.
1: Uh Oh, by the way, I was mocked for this by Gary. He laughed in my face
0: yes that was because he dropped him right he did drop him uh because he's like he's not scored any points all year uh but the reason he hasn't scored any points all year is because he's been hurt all year he's a very good running back when healthy uh sometimes he was he's inconsistent as well but yeah he uh so he played week one he played a full game week one and week 10 and in those two weeks he scored 9.6 points and 10.6 points he played none at all between week three and nine, and he got hurt week two and scored 2.3 points before he went out hurt. So he, uh, when he plays a full game, he's averaging 10 points a week essentially, which is obviously very good for a running back in our league, uh, but his overall average is greatly suppressed because he was out for many weeks.
1: And my thought was, like, I've got all these people on my bench that I'm not starting, and he has the possibility to be better than that. So he seemed worth scooping up, to see if he happened to perform now that he is healthy. If he doesn't, I don't feel like I lost anything because I'm not starting any of these dudes on my bench anyway.
0: And the thing about it is like, if you have a good player who's hurt, the longer you keep him, like the more cost you've paid because they've taken up that roster spot. So Gary paid the premium by keeping him for all of those weeks and only dropped him right before he came back. And so you really benefited. Like, that's the uh, the best possible time to pick him up.
1: Oh, see, I didn't know. When did Gary drop him?
0: Uh, let's look. He, dro- he dropped him, like, right before you picked him up. Uh, so it was, like, right before he came back.
1: Oh. Well, then that's why he thought it was a dumb thing for me to do if he'd been holding on to him and was like, this dude's not scoring any points.
0: Yeah, exactly. He had him all season. Uh, and then I mean,
1: obviously, Gary wasn't hurting, so...
0: So he was drafted in the third round by Gary. That is an early, early pick. He was dropped October 27th and then picked up November 9th by you right before he came back. So he was on the waiver wire for over a week. And then he, right before he came back is when you swooped him up.
1: How come nobody else took him?
0: Well, I was trying to. After the news news was that he was coming back, I Uh, put in my bid. But it wasn't high enough.
1: I had thought about taking him the week before. For the, oh, he was also going into his bye week was the other thing. Anywho, um, I think I'm going to be starting him this week, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, good luck. Muscle Hamster. Also, very charming photo uh, of him. when If you look at he's what a great smile. So squinty.
1: Oh, that's very cute. Yeah,
0: Muscle Hamster. Muscle
1: Hamster. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're um, going into act two of our program, act two.
0: Oh, my Jesus.
1: <laughs> that, was a, that was a, did you get my joke?
0: that we're only halfway done
1: no this american life
0: no i was just thinking which actually means
1: we're a third of the way done
0: uh yeah it's we're with at, our deep dive we're uh, real we'll, we'll this is going long <laughs>
1: <laughs> we actually we can't really whip through this can i have the mouse all right so looking at individual teams i have spent we're gonna go in order i've spent 30 dollars over eight transactions five of them were paid Five of those people are in my starting lineup this week, although admittedly that's going to include, well, that did include a kicker and a defense and also my quarterback and tight end, which I've tended to just like alternate in between people. But that's a lot of people on my team that I picked up on the waiver wire. However, I'm far below most people in terms of total transactions. What are your thoughts of what I've done here? Pat is, by the way, looking at my entire transaction history. So he sees what I've bid on, how much I've paid, who I've picked up
0: uh well i think those are fine you know it's mostly like kickers tight ends defenses is a lot of it yeah Uh, the only big acquisitions essentially were matt stafford and doug martin uh the rest is like mostly fill in tight ends defenses kickers who you you oftentimes you kept uh because they happen to work out well but i don't I'm not like, oh, well, you you were going to pick one up anyway. Right, so, <laughs> so you were not impressed. Exactly, so I don't care. Uh, so obviously Matt Stafford overall was a good pick, and Doug Martin was obviously very good, and I wanted him. Uh, so yeah, it seems good. I actually have a theory here that I was thinking about. Um, I forget why I was thinking about it. Pro- probably because you – I didn't see Jen's notes or like know that she was going to do this exactly, but for some reason I had some suspicion we were going to talk about uh, like wafer wire pickups and stuff. And so I was, I was thinking about it earlier, and I, I'm theorizing that there's a bit of a uh, what we'd call a U or V curve in the number of transactions that a team has. And I, what I b- mean by that is that I think the bottom of the ranking teams, if they care about how they're doing, have a lot of transactions because they're desperately trying to make their team good. Uh, sorry, I mean an upside-down V. I feel like the worst teams will not have a lot of transactions because they um, don't care and, they're, and that is why they don't have a good team is because they oftentimes uh, aren't being attentive to the waiver wire and the best teams will likely not have a lot of transactions because they don't need to because they're doing well and it's really the middle of the pack that are struggling for the playoff spots that have the most transactions and, and so far uh, that is looking accurate to me based on uh, what I see here.
1: I like your theory. I'm excited to test it as we continue on our journey together. Yeah.
0: All
1: right. So let me change this here to why don't you just say Gary's whole name off the top of your head.
0: of the special teams <laughs> or I forget. Hey, look, it's Gary and he doesn't have a lot of transactions.
1: Gary has spent $17 <clears throat> over 12 transactions. Three of them were paid. He has three waiver wire players in his lineup right now. Uh, but I do believe that kicker is a sub. So, one of those pickups, I know you are sore over and has worked out very well for Gary.
0: Yes. Update. We've talked about it. Up. Oh, he's hurt, right? He's not hurt. He's being cut from the team for being too bad at football. What? Christine Michael. I drafted him because I had Rawls, and he's the backup running back on uh, the Seahawks. And. I was like, I need to pick up someone else, so I'm going to drop him, and then all, right when that happened, Rawls got hurt, and Christine Michael was thrust to the starting position, and he's been, he has been very good for several weeks, he's started to taper just a little bit the past couple of weeks, and this other backup, ProSize, has been, fi- has been doing better, and now Rawls is healthy, and they completely cut, without compensation, without anything, cut Christine Michael from the Seahawks, he no longer works for the Seahawks, because he's too bad at football. Suck it, Gary.
1: That seems like a bad decision for the Seahawks. Is somebody else going to come in and take him? Because he's obviously not bad at football.
0: Uh, Yeah, probably someone will sign him.
1: Fascinating.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I was sore about it. And then I felt so much better today specifically <laughs> because he was cut.
1: All right. So anything else about it looks like, you know, and you're going to see this a lot. You're going to see a lot of defenses kick. I mean, because people just have to fill those spots.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny that he... Bought Houston's tight end for $3 Uh, that I, if you just showed me that name, I'd be like, he's probably a kicker. (laughs) CJ Federowitz. I don't know how you say it.
1: But again, as you pointed out, Gary's been doing very well and this is more of a tweaking, a finely tuned machine rather than a desperately trying to patch together. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move right along to uh, Mr. Nicholas Spear. Nick has spent $24 over 15 transactions. Four of them have been paid. He has three of them in his lineup right now. I believe that includes a defense.
0: Cool. Uh, So, yeah, Cole Beasley was the big purchase for $19 right at the beginning of the season. Maybe he subscribed to the theory that you talked about earlier of, like, maybe the beginning of the season is the time to spend a lot of your budget
1: well, yeah, Nick is probably one of the only people in our league other than yourself, and I'm guessing Tim, who um, are experienced users of a waiver wire budget.
0: I will say uh, Nick has done a lot more adding and dropping of skill position players, um, like wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. It's not just tight ends. It's not just the one-off players who he's filling, who he's trying to get bi-week fill-ins. Uh, he's, he's been obviously trying to find those hidden gems uh, with with the few transactions he's made. I see Robert Woods, proud USC Trojan, who's had a couple of hot weeks at wide receiver. He bid a bit, big zero dollars for him uh, earlier.
1: The, the zero dollar bids are a theme in our league, Pat. Uh,
0: yeah, Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, as I, I mocked him for having him sometimes because uh, he's sometimes very crappy quarterback. Um, Eddie Royal, very hit or miss. So yeah, he, he did a little bit more at the skill position than the other players. Uh, Jameis Winston... Uh, obviously has had a couple of big weeks too. So so this one has a little bit more interesting to me than the others that we've looked at so far. Um, but, uh, but still obviously not a ton of transactions and not a lot of money.
1: If we could just back up to me again for a second. Uh-huh, because
0: it's always about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you talking about Nick uh, working the waivers reminded me. I actually feel like in years past, I have worked the waivers way harder than I have this season. In fact, in particular last year, I feel like I had to scramble quite a bit And um, this year it's a combination of the bidding freaking me out and having a baby and being too lazy to look at the waiver wires and plan a bid. And then also um, because I've had two quarterbacks and two tight ends and two defenses just not having the room on my roster to play with. So I feel like this is unusual for me, and I would like that noted. So that goes against your theory of, Although I guess I wasn't at the top last year. I was in the middle. So actually, maybe that totally supports your theory, and it paid off for me.
0: Yeah. I noticed noticed for sure that, like, I know, because, again, we talk about this stuff. I know you did a lot more adding and dropping last year than this year, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, every year. All right, moving on to Meg Collins, right behind Nick in the rankings, hangs out with them a lot in real life. Uh, Meg Collins. Meg Collins has spent a big zero dollars. She has literally not bid any money on anyone. She didn't even, like, lose any bids where she, you know, tried to spend money. She spent no money. Um, She's had 11 free pickups. Five of them were kickers or defense. Uh, We also had a quarterback and a tight end, which I gather were probably fill-ins. I didn't look at it that closely. And she just has a kicker and a defense in her starting lineup. So what do you make of that? Uh, She is solidly in the middle of the pack. This does not feel to me like a middle-of-the-packer working the the waiver wires.
0: No, it doesn't. I... Uh, So it's a lot of fill-ins for defenses, tight ends, kickeries. A couple of names do jump out at me. First, right off the bat, Dak Prescott. She briefly had Dak Prescott. So that means that Casey drafted Dak Prescott, got mocked for drafting Dak Prescott by me, uh, dropped him, Meg picked him up, Meg dropped him, he picked him back up because he's starting him right now. So... Uh, Dak Prescott's been passed around a bit, and he's been he's been very good all year. Once he actually started playing, perhaps he hasn't been as good of a fantasy player as a real life player. Um, but it is uh, funny to me that she briefly had him uh, on her team. Uh, Charkhandrick West also is sometimes very good at, at a, as a fill in, um, but otherwise, yeah, just a lot of uh, fill in players. So yeah. Uh, Not a lot of pickups, but uh, Dak Prescott, Charkandic West uh, stick out to me. Um, Way to go, but uh, not not too busy on the wires. A lot of Wednesday night pickups, I see. Like 9 p.m. Wednesday night. Big, big time for Meg.
1: Almost like uh, right before the Thursday games. All right. Um, Megan Murphy, very similar to Meg Collins, has spent zero dollars. Uh, she has mostly spent money to fill in holes. It looks like to me. Uh, I did not, for some reason, write down her total number of pickups. Ten man. Her and Meg Collins. Very. Meg. Meg Collins had eleven. Meg Murphy has
0: ten. Neither of them have spent any money.
1: What do you think? Again, not not going with the theory of the middle of the pack.
0: No, not so much. Uh, and less uh, noteworthy names in my, that jump out at me compared to uh, Meg Collins. Uh, like I don't see a Dak Prescott here um i i i I do see jason witten and i know she's a big fan of jason witten so i'm I'm happy that she was able to pick him up for uh you know as part of the free agency period um also a lot of wednesday pickups uh not quite as many as meg collins but yeah very similar the megs are uh, vibing on the same wavelength but mostly defenses tight ends kickers that sort of thing
1: now i do think that we have talked about your pickups in more detail because you, of course, have spent more money on your pickups, but you have spent $70 over 18 transactions. Seven of them have been paid. I do believe you have three in your lineup right now. What are your thoughts on your own waiver wire game this
0: season? Well, it sounds like if I have done uh, 18 transactions and I have three of them on my roster, it sounds like I kind of suck at it. Uh, that well,
1: be... I mean, you you did the same thing other people did. You've had to fill in. You've also been, like, borderline streaming at QB from time to time, haven't you?
0: Well, after I picked up Matt Ryan, uh, he's been planted in uh, number one for sure.
1: Okay, maybe I'm just thinking of you initially drafted Kirk Cousins or uh, picked him up.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I'm really happy that I have Jordan Howard and Matt Ryan. I overpaid for Rashad Jennings. I overpaid for Zach Miller. I don't have a ton of money left, but hopefully I uh, have enough to do stuff that I want to do. That
1: is usually the hope. All right. Moving along to one Annalisa Johnson. She has the lowest number of transactions in the league. I'm second. She has had six. She has spent $25, and four of them have been paid.
0: Yeah, that is a... Many more dollars per transaction compared to the others we've. I feel
1: about. like Annalise is all about efficiency here. She's like, "Ain't nobody got time for that."
0: Yep, exactly. And I see she added uh, Mason Crosby, Green Bay kicker, to uh, round out her complement of Packers players. Uh, way to go! But yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing the using the actual budget as opposed to just going for the freebies. Cool.
1: And what about the effectiveness of her pickups? I guess we did talk about Terrence West, already. Yeah, Terrence
0: West is the main one. Other it's literally other uh Kirk Cousins who has been kinda bad. Uh otherwise defenses and kickers tight ends, so not not a big deal.
1: Alright. Tim Crowley. Romo and Juliet. Nearly positive Tim is not a listener, so you can just say whatever you want. Uh he's spent two dollars over 10 transactions, two of them have been paid and he does have three in his starting lineup, including a kicker.
0: Yeah, this, uh, again, I don't see any like, you know, hidden gems here. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Carson Palmer was available for free so late in the season, uh, cause he started off pretty well and there was a lot of hope for, uh, the Cardinals, but then it kind of fizzled lately, but maybe I guess maybe he got hit them like post rush, uh, he so yeah he's he's fiddled around a little bit more with wide receivers and quarterbacks than some of the other people but it's mostly been uh rounding up the bench. Golden Tate was re- briefly super good. Um but yeah, again not not a, no no crazy names or anything just uh you know, seemingly just trying to fill in for for spots.
1: Now let's move on to He, he
0: did have Josh Brown for a while, the uh former kicker for the Giants who was uh released for domestic violence. E-
1: Casey Johnson has had 23 transactions. He has spent $50 on just Justin Tucker. It does look like he has 5 of them in his lineup um but I think that that is gap filling like bye week related.
0: Uh I do see a lot more names here that are bigger deals uh for Casey. I guess that's just law of averages that'll probably happen. Um, but, but I
1: mean it like maybe Casey's just running away with it because everyone else is just neglecting the
0: waivers. Yeah. It seems like it. Cause like, uh, so Dak Prescott obviously has been very good, but mostly more in a real life sense than in a fantasy sense. Marcus Mariota, uh, has been very good some weeks. Alan Hearns has been, a he was like a preseason hot commodity wide receiver that a lot of people thought was going to be good. And so I had him, I think, and dropped him eventually. Uh, Niles Davis has been a Nile Davis has been a big, uh, fill in sometimes, he was very excited uh, when he got Ty Montgomery, uh wide receiver running back combo for the for the Packers. Um, he picked up Derek Carr at the very beginning of the season, and he's been one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league. Um, yeah, so overall, I think... Uh,
1: this makes it sound like Casey's team is uh, pretty good.
0: Well, what I, I'm just saying, it looks like to me, essentially what Casey's been doing, if I had to guess, is he's been paying close attention to when people drop people who are supposed to be good and then he scoops them right up for free afterwards. Like if, if people didn't, if someone was kind of borderline on someone else's roster who who had some hype about them, he would often pick them up it looks like based on like some like Niall Davis and Alan Hearns. And, You're
1: definitely going to have to have him on because now you have to talk about that theory and Justin Tucker. Yeah. And about how you only gave him eight minutes in the last podcast because you didn't want to hear what he had to say.
0: No, I did that. First of all, he had more than eight minutes and then it was edited down to eight minutes. And second of all, it was your fault. It was a hundred percent. was not my fault. fault. You said I don't it know was too long. About.
1: No, no, no. I said keep them short generally. I never would have said to cut Casey Johnson's segment
0: down. And we how short is this episode?
1: Very short while I'm in charge. Just nothing but efficiency here. Uh all right. Let's move along to Abby Saul Punt and Prejudice. Abby has had 18 transactions. She spent only $22. Uh, Five of her transactions were paid. I think three of them are in her lineup, but that includes a defense and kicker as well as Terrell Pryor. Uh, I do think that she has had more unsuccessful bids than anyone else in the league, which to me indicates that maybe she's identifying more potentially good pickups. I don't know.
0: And obviously being too stingy, if she has this much money at the end of the season uh, and is losing out on players because she's underbidding. Yeah, maybe. And so, yeah, it looks like all of her her paid transactions were towards the beginning of the season except one recently. So she did a lot of free ones in the middle and then just one more.
1: All right. Uh, So Casey and Abby have two of, I think they are actually the two. No, you and Abby have both had 18 transactions. But Casey and Abby are two of the highest transaction numbers in the league and they're in last place. How does that fit into your theory?
0: It does not fit with my hypothesis. I might have to revise my theory.
1: Yeah, but I mean, our league is also really interesting, right? Like, I think Casey is always a big waiver wire user. I think you're always a big waiver wire user. I think Nick is always a big waiver wire user. I think I usually am. I think my sister is never a big waiver wire user. Um, so some of this might just be everyone's normal habits. Now, part of the reason we went to this waiver wire system was so that people who are losing wouldn't be... um Unfairly given an advantage after like week one, and then able to stack their team. So, how do you think this has played out for like league parity?
0: Well, certainly that has worked as far as you know. N- again, I, I mean, possibly that the that concern is much more prevalent for a much more hardcore league. You have you can even read about people like deliberately throwing the first week or even two weeks to get crazy waiver wire pickups, and obviously that never happens in our league. I obviously to some extent it looks like it suppressed waiver wire usage this year, which was not an intended goal. And I think a
1: takeaway from this podcast is that it shouldn't have been because no one has used anywhere close to their budget.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, if I had to guess, I feel like. Um, Without looking at previous years, I feel like probably Annalisa was formerly a lot more active on the waiver wire as well than she is this year and stuff. So I,
1: but I think that I I would bet that that's more of a this year and last season and a taking care of a small child while working full time thing and not related to this particular
0: waiver wire system. Yeah, that is that is certainly likely, but which is
1: also a big I mean, let's be real massive reason for my dip.
0: yes. Um, so anyway, I feel like certainly it still is undeniably like a more equitable system. Uh, everyone has access to all of the players as long as they bid well. Um, but it looks like mostly what happened is it just changed the free agent system to like everyone picks up people for free, like Wednesday afternoon, between Wednesday afternoon and Sunday morning, as opposed it, yeah, to it's bidding very Tuesday night.
1: Like, why not just bid? on Tuesday night, right? Like, that seems better, especially because as we've gone over, almost none of these have been contested. Yeah. I don't know. It's all really interesting,
0: I think. I agree. It is interesting. So,
1: hopefully, this discussion of waiver wire usage just uh, reinvigorates the use of the waiver wire, encourages people to spend their remaining budgets, spend, you know, $50 on a kicker here, $50 on a kicker there. You'll be just as good as Casey
0: Johnson. I do not advise spending $50 on any kicker no matter how good. I just like I don't re- advise a real NFL team to spend a first or second round draft on a kicker. Just
1: Is that uh, the thing that happens?
0: Uh yeah, it's a big Aguayo is this kicker. that was like the most accurate kicker in NCAA history and they spent a second round pick on him and he's been awful this year.
1: Shoot. Well, that brings us to part three of our waiver wire discussion, part three, in which Pat and I discuss our real bids for this week. I did ask that Pat and I both put in our pending moves, which will not be changed. And you'll know they won't be changed because you'll be able to see what happened. Um, So we're going to discuss what we did and why. Um, I don't know if it's super exciting, but Pat, do you have any um, bids in?
0: I do. I do. Uh, this is weird. They were announcing it, so I certainly can't release this podcast tonight, even if I wanted to.
1: Well, the bids go through at like two in the morning.
0: Yeah, so you release it at like five in the morning tomorrow. No. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> why no? Because if I, I I upload it as soon as I have it, I'm not going to like hold on, uh, do all the editing and then not release well, it. Well,
1: do all the editing and then release it. If someone if someone listens to this podcast at two in the morning and scoops our players, then that is well earned. Anyway.
0: Yes, I put in two bids. Uh, I didn't even realize until we started talking about it before recording. I have no quarterback this week. Um, I picked up Matt Ryan, as we discussed extensively. Still happy with that. Um, But he is on buy this week, and I don't have anyone to back him up. So I have $31 left, and I put in $31 for Marcus Mariota because he is on the ascent, uh, and he is the number four, I believe, quarterback in the league right now, and he's projected to get a lot of points. Um, I fear... I know Casey had him and dropped him, and Casey apparently is a big spender, so maybe Casey's going to put in a $50 bid on him, so maybe I won't get him. So then I put in a backup bid of $21 on Blake Bortles for my second most desired quarterback. Um, So I hope to get... Marcus Mariota and has a backup, like Bortles, just so that I have a quarterback this week. Um, as That's- discussed, I need to do well to make sure that I hold on to my spot in the playoffs because I'm in sixth place, the bottom playoff spot.
1: That all sounds very sensible to me. Uh, so I put in a bid for Mr. CJ Procise.
0: Procise. Procise. That's the person I discussed earlier when we were talking about Christine Michael. That's why I know. his value is heightened because of – Christine Michael being dropped.
1: And get ready for it. I bid $55.
0: That is approximately two and a half times more than I would consider bidding on it.
1: <laughs> well, I did it because A, I have a lot of budget left. B, I read... I it is no secret to the listeners of our podcast that I know nothing about football. I rely on outside sources of information. And the article I read said bid
0: all of your money on him.
1: So I bid all a lot of money. Not
0: all of my money. It's I think that is silly advice only for the most hardcore of leagues. He is still the backup. Uh, Rawls is coming back. He'll be good this week. He'll be the lead. And then if everything goes as expected, He'll be the backup for the rest of the season. It is crazy to spend your whole budget on him.
1: But what else am I going to do with it? Swimming it like Scrooge McDuck. Are you saying I should edit my bid right now on this podcast? No, that
0: was you can't do that when we're talking about it.
1: I mean, all right, fine. So I bid $55, and then I also bid $2 on Dustin Hopkins, a kicker.
0: That is a reasonable bid on a kicker. Probably uh, $2 too high to get that specific kicker. Um, but, you know, why not spend $2 to really be sure? Yeah,
1: I spend a lot of time thinking about, like, well, what if somebody just bids $1,
0: then I want to bid $2. Yeah. But, I mean, would you be heartbroken if you didn't get that specific kicker?
1: The problem with me and the waiver wires is, yes. Like, once I've committed to a player, like, that's why this the money system really, like, I don't know about anybody else, but this system really stresses me out. Because before, it was like, I want this person, but who the hell knows? So, you know, I had no control over whether I got them or not. I just I was just submitting a bid. Whereas now it's like, well, I could definitely have them if I spent my whole hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I get
1: overly attached.
0: Yeah. I understand why ProSize is desirable. I don't understand the advice, which is professional advice. And they know a lot more than I do to spend your whole budget on him because I don't think he is going to be uh, amazing.
1: And it's like it is, a, it is a trusted resource for me.
0: Yeah, no, I I admit they they know a lot more. I'm just saying I don't it is totally not necessary in our league and uh I just don't I don't get it. I don't see their angle.
1: How do you like those uh stats on the waiver wire guys.
0: Wow, Jen, that was really interesting. We should keep talking about I it. I mean,
1: it's rough because I meant for that to happen with some time left in the season and now the season's over, but I thought it was interesting. Um, now you guys are all laughing at me for spending like $50 for a person that no one else bid on that got hurt the first week I had him. If I recall,
0: I said that that was too much money.
1: Well, the whole point was that we did it blind and you wouldn't let me change it after our conversation.
0: Yeah, and I recall saying that was too much money. Well, you were
1: correct, because apparently no one in our league bids on anything.
0: Yeah, $0 was the winning bid. Correct. Not 50
1: What? When was that? Let's see.
0: That was uh, three weeks ago.
1: So what's happened since then? Thursday, November 17th? No, it was before that. Well, this is as far back as my iPad app will go. But it looks like in that time, uh, very little money has been spent Casey added Duke Johnson Jr. Nick, or uh, Tim added the Raiders. Meg Collins added Mac Prater. Uh, Casey added James Starks. Somebody added, oh, my sister added Kirk Cousins for 15 bucks. That actually panned out for her this week. He's pretty good. Like 30 points. It's kind of surprising
0: he was available, yeah.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, the same week I picked up a quarterback instead of Kirk Cousins who did worse than him. So I'm continuing to just do well on the waiver wires.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you picked up Dak Prescott.
1: He's yeah. pretty good. Yeah.
0: I, um, you, aren't, you aren't hurting.
1: No, and I didn't pay any money for him either. So yay me. Yep. Uh, I don't see anything else of particular interest, and I don't see any other money spent. Oh, wait. Um, Roman Juliet is Tim added Matt Stafford for $25.
0: Who you dropped.
1: Who I dropped and probably wish I hadn't.
0: He's the 11th ranked quarterback. You're all right.
1: I guess Dak Prescott's better, huh?
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, anyway, so this is going to be the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for your patience. I'm sorry that it took so long to get out a new episode, and I'm sorry that this one's very long. Hopefully, it was still enjoyable. But I do want to close out. In the intervening time, in the real world, uh, we had a little little bit of an American holiday known as Thanksgiving. Do you remember Thanksgiving, guys? Jen, do you remember Thanksgiving? It was interminable. <laughs> We were in Virginia visiting my family and it was not interminable. Mm. Anyway, uh it's a tradition in America to be thankful.
1: It was a long time ago.
0: And so I wanted to just do a little quick a lot of people like by which I mean like every American I know is real down on twenty sixteen. It wasn't the best year overall. And so I just wanted to give uh let's say five things that you're thankful for from twenty sixteen um myself and jen since we're here and you know what guys this is a great opportunity to write into the podcast if you have things you want to be thankful for a little shout out email podcast at fancy here we go
1: i just feel like being forced to celebrate 2016 is like somehow dishonoring the
0: horribleness here's number one make you feel real bad I'm thankful for Lillian Polk.
1: Oh, no, me too. That was going to be my first one. Don't steal it. Oh,
0: 2016 was worse. Nothing could happen. Okay,
1: I think we can all agree that Lily is objectively the best part of 2016.
0: Lily is pretty cute, and uh, she was born in 2016. I will specifically, I'm going to try and generally be a little more specific with my things I'm thankful for. So I'm going to say I'm thankful at how cute Lily is because Jen and I have looked at our own baby pictures, and there was a real chance that she was going to be... A little rough looking. And so I'm very thankful that she is adorable.
1: Lily, future Lily, we would have loved you anyway, probably.
0: I would have loved you, but it would have been harder to cuddle you. Anyway, so number one. <laughs> we're uh, the worst. No, we're I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <sighs> Lily, go back to sleep. All right. Uh, anyway, thankful for how cute Lily is. Number one. you, Your turn.
1: Well, my number one was going to be Lily, so I'll do my number two. Okay. Number two, I'm thankful that I don't know any Trump supporters.
0: Probably not true.
1: Well, I no one has told no one that I know has, in any way, indicated that they voted for Donald Trump.
0: Fair. I am thankful for the other important addition to our household in 2016, and that would be PlayStation VR. It's great. It's fun. Uh, and again, I want to be a little more specific, so I'm going to say I'm thankful for watching other people play until dawn. Rush of blood. In my house with VR because it's hilarious. Shout out to Abby Saul. Insert the screaming noise. Ah, no! Excellent. What's your number three, Jen?
1: Um, I'm thankful for fuzzy bear suits for infants because whenever Lily wears it, Pat loses his goddamn mind and it is very cute.
0: Lily looks like an actual teddy bear or possibly an Ewok. Uh, she is oh, ve- way more an Ewok. She's very furry and cute and it is it is optimally cute. And I am a big fan of that outfit. Next, my third thing. I'm going to be thankful to John Rhodes for inspiring the creation of this very podcast. It was a very it was an excellent idea. I copied it wholeheartedly and uh it has been a huge success much better than uh the response to the emails as mentioned many times obviously i dropped the ball a little bit for a couple weeks here because of uh the thanksgiving and stuff and it's much easier to do emails during that time so i would have been a little less radio silent if i weren't doing a podcast but anyway happy to have been inspired to do this and it has been a great success so thank you john rhodes good job
1: i don't know what else i'm thankful for this year pat like i can't think of anything else that's specific to this year. Is there anything else you think I'm thankful for?
0: I think you're thankful for David Johnson for one thing.
1: Oh, well, thankful for fantasy football things isn't real.
0: Well, I just named one.
1: I'm thankful for Rob Gronkowski continuing to grace the earth with his presence. I'm really sorry about his injury, both for him and for his owner, Casey. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, I know what you're thankful for that you discovered in 2016. What? Oh, we rate dogs.
1: Oh, my God. It's really changed our like home dialogue. We rate dogs is a fantastic. Have we not?
0: Have we talked about we rate dogs? I think we talked about like the first episode.
1: No, I think we talked about it in that one that got the
0: lost episode. The lost episode. If the second, you guys, lost, the first lost episode as opposed to the second lost episode. You guys,
1: if we haven't talked about we rate dogs. I love We Write Dogs.
0: (laughs) What is We Write Dogs, Jen, for those who either...
1: It's just a Twitter account where a guy posts pictures of cute dogs but then says funny things about them using a consistent uh, vocabulary that becomes funnier and funnier the longer you follow him. Uh, Also, I got addicted to it because of the first exchange I saw was actually somebody retweeting just one We Write Dogs post where it sounds like... Well, that sounds like what was happening was a guy okay so we rate dogs gives all dogs above a 10 like whatever dogs he posts it's always like 11 out of 10 12 out of 10 13 out of 10 so somebody was like why are they all like above 10 like don't are 35s there any fives or something like he was basically just challenging the premise of we rate dogs and we rate dogs was hassling him and pretending to not know his name which was funny but <sighs> the the thing was just they're good dogs brent
0: or Bront or something.
1: It doesn't sound funny on a podcast. Man, pad. it really failed. It was God. I was really enjoying.
0: Uh, I believe the guy's name was Brent, and he said they're they're good dogs, Brent. Uh, and they made a t shirt out of it and mugs and stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's really funny whenever I read it.
0: Still, so why did I butcher it? So everyone should go to We Rate Dogs on Twitter and enjoy it. I'm gonna find the exact exchange. Excellent. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: If you if you search there on Twitter, their good dogs Bront comes up as like the fourth thing. <laughs> fourth thing.
0: So that's Jen's fourth favorite thing of the year.
1: I think maybe actually everyone knows about it because it apparently was very popular. I can't find it. Whatever. I am actually Pat. You're right. I'm legitimately quite grateful for we thank Do- or we rate dogs.
0: Just to make this uh, continue to be stupid and saccharine, uh, I'm also related to Lily. I'm going to be thankful. For Jeanette Streeter. Oh shit.
1: <laughs> oh my god, she can have my one through five.
0: Jeanette Streeter is the home daycare person who looks after Lily and she is the best and uh Jen had a rough time with her first daycare and now and she is in love with Jeanette. Uh so that's pretty great. So thank you, Jeanette Streeter. You are awesome. You get to do number five, Jen, and then I get to do number five.
1: Okay so this is not characteristic and I want to throw up in my mouth even thinking about it, but I don't want anybody to think that I don't feel this way just because I don't like saying these things out loud or posting them on social media. But obviously I'm thankful for you, Patrick. Do I have to talk about why or can we just leave it alone?
0: I guess to save your yourself, I will not ask for further I'll tell you off camera. Okay. Pat's
1: great. Everyone knows Pat's great. He's a great dad. He's a great husband. I feel like he was that way before 2016, but he really shined this year in 2016, just upping his game. Why, thank you. And then at least- I feel just disgusting.
0: Good, good, good. So I need to end it on something like super not mushy. What?
1: I mean, you're supposed to at least be like, oh, of course I'm thankful for you too, Jen.
0: Well, you were just talking about how disgusting you're feeling, so I didn't want... Apparently, you
1: know, it didn't even occur to you. It's okay.
0: It did occur to me. I Because I'm so good of a husband, I'm a good listener and a good reciprocator. Uh, it's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. Uh, so last but not least, I'm going to say something real dumb. Let's see. Uh, I am thankful for... I didn't have a fifth thing planned, but <laughs> I, I know I need one. I am thankful for being able to
1: edit out pauses on your podcast
0: no that's that's not good enough. i mean i am i am really thankful for these awesome microphone stands and pop filters those are pretty great and they really up the quality of our uh, podcast audio but that's a dumb thing to say so i'm gonna say my last thing is i am grateful for
1: oh i found it okay brant at dog rates your rating system sucks just change your name to cute dogs why are you so mad, Bront? Will you give every dog 11th and 12th. It doesn't even make any sense. They're good dogs, Brent.
0: It's good. It's very funny. They made, as I said, they made merchandise with their good dogs, Brent. Uh, it's, it, it became a thing on the internet.
1: No, yeah, you know what? I'm thankful for President Obama. Never have I realized how amazing you are. I mean, I knew you were great, but really just the contrast, man.
0: I'm thankful for you, the listeners. I love the league. Cop
1: out, cop out, cop out.
0: Fancy fantasy football is the one source of joy in my life. Hey. (laughs) Just kidding, Jen and Lily.
1: Your number one thing was Lily. Yeah. So, obviously, she's the source of joy in your life. I feel Uh, like this episode is really bad, you guys.
0: I'll spice it up. How? In post. How? That's always my answer. (laughs) In post. You just like saying in post. I'll spice it up in post. Clean it up. Sure. Sure. Thanks guys. I hope you had a good few weeks off. I hope you had a good regular season and good luck to those making the playoffs and good luck to those in the Sacco playoffs. I hope you don't get the Sacco.
1: Oh, predict the final season rankings one through ten.
0: Oh my goodness. We're so gonna mean, hold you to it. You mean regular season rankings? Yeah, that's what
1: I mean. Oh my god, and then predict a champion.
0: Uh Okay, here we go. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the top three are gonna stay the same. In that order. Nick, Jen, Gary, Nick, then Jen, then Gary. I'm going to say your sister will be next. I'm going to say I will be next because I think both Annalisa and Meg are going to lose because they're playing Gary and Nick. So then I'm going to say Annalisa, and then Meg Collins.
1: Will Abby be taking her rightful caboosey place?
0: Um, I think, so I'm saying I'm going to beat Abby. I'm saying, uh, you are going to beat Tim, and uh, I'm going to say Meg is going to beat Casey, so everyone's going to lose, so I'm going to say, uh, it's, so it's just a matter of points scored, and they're pretty spread out. It's pretty close between Abby and Tim, but I'm going to say they stay in the same order, so Abby, then Tim, then Casey. So it's just switching up me and Annalisa, but otherwise the same order that it's currently in.
1: Okay. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, wh- who's going to get the stack
0: uh, I think this is Casey's year. He has scored comfortably the fewest points.
1: Has he ever won the SACO?
0: He has not. Wait, what? Casey Johnson has not won the SACO. Gary has won it twice, and Meg Collins won it once. I know. Uh, sorry. Uh, Tim won it once. Gary won it twice. Yes. Yeesh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it's Casey's year. He is well behind in total points scored. Uh, likely one of the weaker teams. And he might, if he starts with the, uh, you know, bottom ranking, then he's going to have to play the best non-playoff team, which will be, you know, either me or Annalisa or Meg Collins. And that would be a tough first round in the Sacco playoffs. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, Casey's going nag- to nag it.
1: And what about the ultimate prize? Uh, this will be the most gentleman we've ever had in the playoffs, right? Is it is it a male year?
0: Yeah. Jen just threw her wedding ring on the floor because of my lack of giving thanks for her and the fact that I said that she wasn't going to be first place in the playoffs. That was really rude. Uh, I don't see it. Jen lost her wedding ring. We're not married anymore. That's how the law works. I'm a lawyer. Obviously, I would like to say that I would win because I've I said all I need to do is get in the playoffs and anything can happen in the playoffs, but obviously that's extremely unlikely. Uh, I think it's obviously between you, Nick, and Gary. You've been very consistently good and better than the rest of the league because you're so good at fantasy football, Jen. Um, so I the think it's the team
1: that is on top hasn't, like, Annalisa won, right? But isn't she the only number one team to win?
0: Yes. And the first year, it was your sister who, got, like, was sixth place, I think, like, barely snuck in the playoffs. But I'm going to say Nick is going to win. It is his year. He. He's going to set all sorts of records. He's going to get a bye. He's probably going to be on the opposite side of the bracket as you and Gary. So he will just get to beat up on us middle of the pack kids and then uh, make it to the championship and win.
1: I forgot to mention one of the most important cool things about this entire season. It's not actually probably that cool. You guys, let's lower those expectations. Uh, The only people Gary lost to, he's lost three times. The only times he lost, it was to Murphy sisters. Thank, Boom. thank you to Patrick and Megan for pointing that out to me.
0: So uh, watch out, Gary. You might, you're might you going to m- probably meet at least a Murphy in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so really, Gary's not playing a Murphy this week, but his, his rooting interest should have been ending up on an opposite side of the bracket from Megan and me.
0: Yeah. All right, well, there we go, guys. That was the special extended edition after a long hiatus of the Fancy Fantasy Football Podcast. Please uh, tune in again, and good luck. Goodbye. See you later, guys.